Hey kids, welcome back to another episode of Grit and Glitter, a weekly podcast dedicated to the power of women's wrestling. My name is Harley R. Padgett. My name is Eddie Spear. This week on the show, we are talking about... No, this can't be right. Um, where's the real agenda for this week? It's not a joke, Harley. We are... We are... We're talking about WWE. But we don't... We did we did early, like the second episode of Grit and Glitter ever was all about WWE pay-per-view, but I feel like it was like by episode six of Grit and Glitter, we were like, I don't want to do this. I'm done. I don't want to, I don't want to cover this company. It's not fun. It's not enjoyable. And we just kind of just stopped. It's true. It's true. Um, you were, are a former NXT devotee, um, but otherwise you have a very uh, disjointed and detached uh, attitude towards the product, and I have not actively, in any continuous way, watched WWE since the brief period of time whenever I watched it when I was a teenager. So, yeah, I mean, I, like many people, have watched classic WWE. I've watched pay-per-views in the past. Um, I have, I watched Evolution, but as far as TV goes, I never really, I never watched Raw. I never watched SmackDown, and I don't hardly ever really catch any XP, especially its current incarnation. So early on in the podcast, we just decided, like, you know, we're not watching it actively. It's not something that interests us. Why do we have to cover it? There's a million podcasts that cover WWE. Like, you don't need us to do it, especially when we're probably not the best people to do it. Um, but all that being said, it felt like this was a good time to kind of check in on our pals over at the network because uh yeah i mean it's been a while we haven't checked in on nxt since nxt rebranded and changed its you know entire kind of perspective and aesthetic and um we haven't checked in on our like made adventures in raw and smackdown in a while and it just it felt like this was a decent time to say hey what is actually going on over there yeah so i watched raw every single week from, I don't know, sometime in the mid-90s, I guess, until about 2015, I'd say. So a good maybe 20 years every single week. And SmackDown, same thing, every single week from 2002 to about 2015, so like 13 years every single episode. And then uh, around 2015, I stopped because I was like, enough's enough. I, like, I don't enjoy this. It's tedious. Every single Raw opens with a 45-minute Triple H and Stephanie McMahon promo where they just bury the entire roster. This isn't fun for me. And I stopped. I still loved NXT, and I watched NXT every week, and I thought it was the best show around. Until about a year or two ago, and then even that started... It was before 2.0, even before the rebranding. I lost interest in NXT, and I just wasn't feeling it anymore either. So I haven't watched any NXT in at least a year, year and a half. I haven't watched any Raw or SmackDown in at least seven years. But, you know, Triple H is in charge now, not Vince. Things have changed. People tell me that that's oh, pretty good now. You know, yeah, it's not bad. Things are things are improving. They're going on a good track. Sami Zayn's great. Um, Women's Division is uh, on fire. So we said, okay, okay, let's take a look. One week only, special, special edition. One week, we'll take the time, we'll watch all of the women's matches and segments from Raw, SmackDown, 
and NXT. Yeah, which, to my surprise, there was a fair amount of them, especially with NXT. NXT in one hour? So one hour, two hours? NXT is two hours. Okay. In two hours, there were, let's see, there were, there were three matches, but then there were like full on segments with several women. I mean, the toxic attraction celebration segment like went on for a while. So like it took up about 50% of the show, like maybe even more so. Like it was about half of the, of NXT show, which is saying something, you know, we take another two hour product from, say, another wrestling company that will not be named, that would be unheard of. So, I mean, not to compare Apples to AEWs, but, like, I mean, it was kind of pleasantly surprising how much there was to watch in one single week. All right, so let's kick things off. We started the week. It was, okay, by the time you listen to this podcast, there will have already been another episode of Raw that took place, but we record Sunday nights, and it's easier for the, for the calendar for us to do the Monday, the Wednesday, the Friday of last week. So we'll kick things off with the Halloween edition of Monday Night Raw. This is another reason why we don't cover Monday, like, we don't cover Raw, because we come out on Tuesday mornings, so it would be almost impossible to be timely. We would be always talking a week, a week behind. This was so, this is so weird for me to be watching an episode of Raw. It was like, it was, it was like a, through a funhouse mirror, honestly, because it looks exactly like the Raw that I used to watch in the 90s and in the early 2000s. It looks exactly the same. It feels exactly the same. But the music's different. There's people on commentary who I don't know. And then there's these weird, giant 3D CGI graphics that pop up on the screen when people are coming out. And I don't know what those are, but they're hideous. And they don't add anything to the product. But otherwise, it feels like Monday Night Raw, just with some new faces in the mix. Raw, the flagship show, the one that's been around for almost 30 years now. I think it'll be 30 years, in officially 30 years in a couple months, in January. Three-hour-long program. Our opening segment is women's segment. Bianca Belair, Nikki Cross, in a non-title match. Um, and you were thinking Nikki Cross, like, back in true... Nikki Cross form. Yeah, this was a follow-up. It was a, this was like week two of Nikki Cross's back. Previously, she had been playing the superhero character Nikki Ash, but I think from what I read, the last week prior to this is when she like had a breakdown or freaked out or whatever and went back to her old self. Yeah, and I I I appreciate it because I. As much as I understand that there were lots of kids who enjoyed Nikki, the superhero, um, I was introduced to Nikki Cross um, in her WWE form as this kind of, you know, this wild-eyed maniac, and I I prefer her in this form, honestly. I think it suits her. This is funny, too, because this is kind of like a glow-up version. Like, this is not the NXT crazy Nikki Cross. This is definitely like 
NXT Nikki Cross, but with a blowout and like much and yeah, and lipstick and like definitely more done, which honestly doesn't work for me because I feel like that kind of belies the character. Like I do not think that works for her for that character. However, it was kind of a, it was amusing to like kind of touch touch base with Nikki Cross back in in crazy Nikki Cross form. Yeah, like I said, Triple H has only been in charge for three months of creative, but you can really tell that he's just been going around finding like any opportunity to reboot all his favorite characters back to the way they were in NXT before Vince got his hands on them. We'll talk about that later when we get to SmackDown. <laughs> but he's just going around and basically like, okay, who can I fix? Who can I get things back on the right track? Because... That's superhero stuff. I don't know what that was. This is the Nikki Cross we need. And I get it because I think that he had a lot of success with that. And I also think he sees something in those in in those performers in a way that makes me kind of really appreciate that he's pushing to put them back in those roles. It it feels like it could be regression, and it probably will end up feeling that way, like in a in another several months. But there's something kind of endearing about the fact that he's like, no, I like you this way. I want you this way. And I guess the real interesting thing for the Nikki Cross character at this point during this show is we saw the clips from the previous week where she, Nikki Cross is back, but she took out everybody. She took out Damage Control. She took out Bianca. She, so it's not clear where her allegiance is or where, it's not clear whether she's going to be a babyface or going to be a heel or how things are going to shake down, because she's just destroying anybody who gets in her way. And we have this here as well. Like, damage control come out, and they get involved. There's a referee distraction. But then, Cross again, kind of just goes after everybody. Like, she's not taking a side. Unlike Bailey, Dakota, and Io, who are clearly opposed to Belair, Asuka, and Bliss. Yeah, she's just a, like a wild, she's, she's a wild card right now. And I like that. I actually really appreciate that. I let occasionally like turn someone heel and they don't have them aligned with anyone. Um, it makes them a, like an X factor that just like you can't necessarily predict what's going to happen. And it also leaves storylines open to develop like bonds or allegiances or, or, you know, tenuous ones at that. So yeah, I like that. I, and I think it, again, it fits the, it fits the mold. Like, I do think if you're going to play Nikki Cross the way that Nikki Cross was being played in NXT, it makes more sense for her to be played as someone who is just an unstoppable maniac rather than somebody who's like maniacal and strategic. The big story that arguably the only story on the Raw Women's Division right now is this story of damage control versus the baby faces. That's sort of where we seem to be stacked right now. Which makes sense because we know WWE, everything is about building to the next pay-per-view. The next pay-per-view is Survivor Series. They've announced that Survivor Series will feature the first ever War Games matches for the main roster. There will be a women's War Games match at Survivor Series. Nobody's been announced yet, but we're assuming by this point it's going to be Damage Control on one side, Bianca Belair, Asuka, Alexa Bliss on the other side, and then it becomes a question of is that it? Is it three on three or will it be four on four or five on five? If it's four on four, will Nikki Cross pick a side and then who would be on the other side opposing her? 
that's sort of the big question here. So I like that they're prolonging Cross's question mark a little bit further at this point in time on the October 31st Raw about, we don't know, like, it seems like she's going to be a heel because she's a maniac. So it seems like she would side with damage control, but there's no guarantee. No, I could easily see her going against damage control for, for whatever, for whatever reasons that they built in. But like, it doesn't make sense for me. It doesn't make sense in my mind for her to align herself with them. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, they, they always zig when I think they're going to zag. So, or rather they always take a route that is more predictable than the route that I've predicted. So I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. And also it's hard to say with, with triple hate behind the, the helm here. Like I don't really know what his vision for Nikki Cross is as far as how much they want to push her, but this does this match with Bianca leading off raw and also like being a big like sea change back to her like original character it speaks well for like how she might be booked in the future which means like more storylines more allegiances alliances with various other like big members of the roster etc so i don't know it it makes sense i mean bianca has her her stable of like faces right now she has like her like her allied good guys but Nikki cross is right here in the middle just being crazy not necessarily bad or good just like that wild X factor. Um, this match overall, though, I I really kind of enjoyed. I didn't love that. I didn't love the finish. It wasn't like a huge fan of the finish here, but like I liked what they were able to do early on in this match, and it kind of it set a tone for me right away that I was like, oh wow, yeah, these women are both really good wrestlers. Like I don't know why I forget this, but I just take it for granted given it's WWE and I don't watch it on the regular. So for me, one of the nice, pleasant surprises was just remembering, like, oh, yeah, these women aren't just, like, doing nothing. They're, they're really wrestling. And this match was given time to breathe as well. And also, it kicked off the show, which I'm sorry, but, like, I can't help but continually compare it to the other thing I watch on a weekly basis that doesn't do any of that. And it comes that that particular show comes out deficient in comparison. That's the thing. It's rare that any wrestling company puts you know, a, a two and a half minute match in the opening slot. Usually the opening match on the card is big name stars from your brand, whether it's a talking segment, whether it's a match, whatever. You're opening the show with some big name stars that'll hook the audience and then you want to sit there and stay tuned in. So that's a testament to the women's division. It's a testament to Bianca and Nikki that they get this opening slot, that they get a long match ahead of of all the men on the roster, right? Ahead of AJ Styles, ahead of... I skipped the men's segments on this show, so I don't even know what other men are on on Raw, but whatever. You know you know what the point I'm making is that it's a huge testament to the women to open the show. It's something that Impact doesn't do all that often, and we always put over how great they are with the women. It's something that AEW has never done. I don't think women have ever once opened a Dynamite in history, have they? I don't, I, I will say with 99.9% assurity that they have not. I am ready to be wrong. If someone remembers something, maybe there's been a rampage that was open with them in match, but I do not believe that there has been a televot, like a television episode of AEW, whether it's Dynamite or Rampage, that's open with a women's match. And you're right. Impact usually doesn't either. This is, this is a couple of things. This is WWE believing in its women's division following which is great. 
you know, right off the bat, it's like, okay, they know that the fans will be into it. It's also believing in these two women, especially this, the, the dynamite, the, the ultra star power of Bianca Belair. Like it cannot be undersold what a star she is. She made two entrances on Raw. Two. And there was no, like, not even a note of change between the entrance where she was in a match and an entrance where she was just coming with her girls. Like, both times, audience was into it. And that is, that's huge. They have genuine superstars. They really do. They call them, like, WWE superstars, and they are superstars. And Bianca Belair, like, they can put her in an opening show match because they know the audience will be excited to see her. So we follow this up. Kathy Kelly's backstage with the babyface trio. She asks the leading question uh, to Bianca, are you done with Nikki Cross heading into Crown Jewel? Which presumably sets up Nikki Cross interfering in the match at Crown Jewel. And then we get Asuka and Bliss saying that they want to take title match tonight, and they'll get that later on in the show. The only other women's real segment of note between the bookending damage control matches is the Judgment Day match featuring Carl Anderson and Damian Priest. I bring this up because Rhea Ripley is at ringside and it's worth us taking a moment or two to look at what Rhea's doing. So she's in the stable with Damian Priest, Finn Balor, and I guess her boyfriend, Dominic Mysterio, is not clear. It seems like that's the idea. Yeah, that seems to be what it's being played as. But, okay, so I don't know. I haven't been watching, right? So I don't know the genesis of Judgment Day, but I'm going to tell you this. I'm behind this. I actually am. I'm kind of into this. Um, maybe it's because of the four people in the the faction. Um Finn Balor was doing really, like, fun stuff at NXT when he was over there for a while. And he's kind of channeled that same energy into this new, into this stable that they have here. Um, but I especially like what they're doing with Rhea Ripley. Like, I think that they're building her as, like, a China-esque figure, but with a little bit more agency than they ever gave China. Which is cool. Like, what would China, as an enforcer, look like if she had more attitude and more sway? Or, like, well, China had love attitude. Please don't think this is China slander. It's not China slander. But what would the China role look like now? Okay? Would it be that silent enforcer that Camille played when she was back at Nick Aldis in NWA? Or would it be someone who has a lot more attitude and sway, even while also, like, proposing a physical threat? Like, Rhea looks like a threat and they don't diminish her at all as the female in this faction. There's so many females in WWE factions who are playing kind of like a, a fourth, a fourth member. They're playing a, a third wheel even, but they're not, they're not given the emphasis that Rhea seems to be given in this, which is really, it's neat. It's just, it's so rare. But it seems based on the, the video clips they played and what happened here, it seems like, Every week, the the story is she keeps attacking the men, and then nothing happens to her, and the announcers get all pissy because of it. And so it's like, okay, so are we... We're not building to intergender wrestling. We know we're not. Even with Triple H in charge, even with Vince gone, we know that's not where we're going. We've heard... Everybody's heard the rumors, the alleges that, like, Mattel's sponsorship 
forbids WWE from doing intergender wrestling, different things like that. We know that's not where we're going. So how long do they drag this out before they just, I don't, you know, before AJ Styles and crew go and get Dewdrop to beat up Rhea for them? Or, you know, if Becky Lynch comes back and smacks her in the face or something. Because... That's the part that that's the part that rubs me the wrong way, and that it always bothers me. It bothered me in ROH when, whatever, you'd have Maria Manic beat up male security guards, or Jade Cargill roughs up male security guards, and you know, it's like, yeah, cool, hey, it's this woman is really tough because she beats up a bunch of men, but it's like, yeah, because like nobody else is allowed to defend themselves. She can low blow Carl Anderson, she can punch out Luke Gallows, because. They're never going to get booked in a match against each other. It doesn't, yeah. It like it put it protects her in that way. It's like, oh yeah, sure, it, you can mouth off when you're like, you know, your when your dad's standing there next to you and you know that like the bully can't do anything to you. Yeah, I and I agree. Like that does dampen it for me. It, I, it's neat how they use her. It's cool to see her pushed in this way. I love her seeming every bit as tough as she ever has. Um, and they really are like emphasizing how like much she can go with these guys, but you're right. There's a feeling to it. And when you remember that, when you keep that in mind, it does kind of diminish it because like it is time for Ripley to fight men. She should have matches with male competitors. She is being pitted mostly now against men in alliance with her team. And yet, you know, and yet we know we're not going to see that. So that is like, that's going to, linger and be dissatisfying it's something not to bring them up into the rival company but it's something that impact does do well in that like if a woman seems to have like genuine heat with a with a opponent who is a male there isn't that like necessary boundary they there isn't the like a surety that's never going to come to a match there's the potential that it could and that's always great it's nice to have that, that wide open. It creates more story. It creates more legs for the storyline that exists. It's cool that she gets to fight people like like Best Phoenix, but you know it's always going to end up being like a side note to the main storyline of her faction because most of her faction mates, all of her faction mates, because she's the only woman, they're fighting men. So like she's always going to come in conflict with men, and this conflict can never actually come to resolution. That is dissatisfying. All right, I said her other match on the show or their women's match was the take titles dakota kai and eo sky defending against oscar and alexa bliss we talked a lot about the significance of bianca and nikki having the opening segment on monday night raw this was the main event so the women opened and closed the biggest show of the week from the biggest sports entertainment company on the planet. Yes, and it's worth noting that Bianca did not have to come out with them necessarily, but she did. So Bianca Belair opened and closed the show in addition to her her tag team of, you know, that she was backing. Like, that that's not nothing. That, again, it's like, pay attention to who, to their, who, to who they're pushing. Um, Bianca, they know they have a certified star there. So she's opening and closing that show She's they're showing pictures of you know kids in Bianca Belair costumes for Halloween. Like, there's a reason she's like present in this match, even though she doesn't have to be. That's the other thing. Last week we talked about how over the last five to seven years, 
in WWE, there's been a, a definitely a renewed focus on women more more so than ever in the history of the WWE, but it's always more or less centered around Charlotte, then Sasha, then Becky, then Oscar, then Bailey. So the fact that we're still getting women opening Raw, closing Raw, and Charlotte's not here, Becky's not here, Sasha's not here, Bailey's in these two segments at least, you know, just a, a body at ringside. She's not the focal point necessarily. She uh, she is to an extent, you know, it's about building that feud with her stable, but she's not in the ring wrestling. This in this match, it's Oscar and Alexa Bliss, it's Dakota and uh, Io Sky, who are the the actual wrestlers reinventing the show. I thought this was a good match. I mean, it was just really cool to see women's tag wrestling like close out an episode of wrestling television. Like, I don't know. I I swear I was not ready to be delighted by anything. And I wasn't I was not ready to be like like particularly impressed. And you know, there were definitely segments, especially like in other you know, we'll talk about other stuff, but like there were definitely segments that fell flat for me or didn't quite work, but like overall it was just impressive to see how pushed the women are and how pushed the women are without some of the flagship women, some of the like, you know, the main, main big stars project for. Bailey and Bianca, they get into it at ringside. They're brawling. Bianca takes a belly to Bailey onto like a bunch of cables and boxes. And as a result, Asuka and Alexa Bliss pull off the upset. They win the take titles. That was definitely a surprise for me. I haven't been watching. So, I, you know, I don't, I don't know how damage control has actually been booked thus far, but I know they're new. I know that it's Bailey's new faction. They're being presented as a big deal. So I I just went into this assuming they're new. They must be getting booked as an unstoppable force still. Like just steamrolling everything. They're going to retain here. They'll keep winning everything until War Games at Survivor Series. That'll be their first big loss as a stable. So I was very surprised to see them lose here. Because I'm like, oh, okay, I don't, I don't really know what to make of this then. I don't really know... Maybe damage control aren't being booked as that like unstoppable time. Maybe they're being booked more like Weasley, like kind of mid card heels. And I, I was kind of surprised. I, for whatever reason, I was kind of surprised for them to lose this, even though I don't, I don't really know. I guess I wasn't expecting a title change, and then there was a title change, and yeah. But I'm not going to complain. I mean, anytime I'm seeing, you know, a belt put on Asuka, I'm not going to be mad about it. The next night, November 1st, it was NXT. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but the NXT 2.0 um, experiment, that's over. That was another one of Triple H's rebooting thing. They did 2.0 for a year. They called it 2.0. They did psychedelic splash paint color schemes and stuff. That's done. Now they're back to the black and gold. It's back to just NXT. Um, and Shawn Michaels is head of creative for NXT. Triple H is handling Raw and SmackDown. Okay. All right. Good to be caught up. All right. So the like graffiti, uh, technicolor, et cetera, et cetera, that, that they're back to the, like, to the, they're, they've rebranded back to the old brand. Um, yeah. And I, I, yeah, new Coke see, is over back to just the original classic. And I, I, it's funny because I could see elements of both, right? I could still see the, like, there were little remaining factors of the 2.0, like, kind of 
like where that was going and um and the like you know old school nxt brand so like there's definitely a it's still in a growing pains period where i think they're shedding some of the like the aesthetics that defined that 2.0 time period and also i don't know what i'm talking about because i literally have never watched a full episode of nxt this was as close to it as i've ever come because i watched a lot of the i watched all the women's content or women's related content in this and that was a very sizable chunk of the show so tell me carly my first question for you is is there anyone in nxt who was there when you last were watching the show Hmm. Of the like you, I only watched the women's segments this week. Uh, Indy Hartwell was definitely there. That might be it because that was sort of the big thing with 2.0 was Vince took over and called up a handful of people that he liked and released a lot of other people, including people like Dakota Kai. Like she got released from the company. Her being back on her on, being on Raw now is again a Triple H move where he went in and said, "No, these people shouldn't be have been fired." come your main roster that sort of thing so 2.0 because especially the last couple of years of 1.0 i guess people joked that you know it was triple H, it wasn't developmental it was triple h's indie fed right triple h would bring in the top wrestlers from the world and they'd be wrestling on this show this is developmental you're watching this show now and it's like not too many people you or i or anybody else had really heard of Joe Gacy or Andre Chase or JC Jane prior to NXT. Yeah, I mean, this one, so right off the bat, we get this like schism interview where Ava Rain had been revealed as their like fourth mystery member. And I never heard of her, but like right away, I'm like, I'm into this kind of this, this like weird little smiley face cult that's going on. Like, I'm, I'm into it. Like, you know, the one guy's got yellow and black suspenders. Like, this is a smiley face ska cult, maybe? They look like a ska band. I don't know. So, she's the Vox daughter. Oh, okay. And you'd, you'd think that would be, you'd think that would be a selling point of her character, right? You think they, even if they want to give her a different name and not call her Simone Johnson, you'd think that they would acknowledge on air that she's the Rock's daughter, because that would make it even a bigger get that Joe Gacy was managed to, like, convince her to come join his little his little group, right? But instead, it's a lot of this, like, winking and, and nudging, like, oh, the pe- everybody knows it's it who she is. We don't need to tell you. But not everybody does. I, I did not know. And also, I honestly don't care. Like, I... I didn't need to know that. I, I'm kind of interested in what, like, am I, was that supposed to be an element that made it more interesting to me that she's in there? Because I guess that that would be, I could see why that would be kind of crucial in a certain perspective, but it didn't really bother me not to know that. Like, okay, here's this factor. They seem really jazzed about having her involved. They built her up. Like, I just thought, like, oh, hey, there's someone, like, she's very intriguing, and it's a really interesting person to have joined this little, like, weird scoff action. Yeah, she's got a red eye contact in. That's creepy. She says she got hurt working at the Performance Center, and Joe Gacy was the only person who checked on her, which seems very weird, very, very odd. I mean, that's, I don't know if that's a testament to him. I think that says a lot about maybe her 
personal skills that she didn't have any friends in the locker room who cared to check on her. Well, I mean, she's saying that people knew her the longest have been like the most skeptical about her being part of this group, but they were also not people who were there for her when she was out, out and out of action. And like, I get that. Like, there are some people who, like, they care for you, but also you don't see them all the time if, if it's not a matter of convenience. Think of like people who, like, I don't know. I kind of like this actually because it, to me, it was like dividing between like your work friend and like your real friend. And in this storyline, she is siding with the person who, like, who, you know, opted to be more than just a, a colleague friend. And she gets to wear a smiley face button and a red contact. I don't know. It works for me. It's fine. I'll see. I mean, I don't know that I will continually watch NXT from here on out, but I, I think this is kind of fun. And it's cool that, like, the whole segment was built around her being part of this faction and not just, like, her being one of many members of this, one of four people in this faction. Again, it's that Ripley thing of like, they are centering on the woman in this faction and they just didn't include her incidentally. I think that's, that's neat that there's also throughout this episode of NXT, you get a ton of women who are a part of like male dominated factions. And while that's like nothing new in wrestling, still it does show you like they are integrating their rosters in a meaningful way. I can't, I can't believe I'm, oh, I can't believe I'm, I'm, advocating for WWE. What the hell is happening right now? I was going to ask you, is it too similar to the Judgment Day that you have three men and one woman? And I mean, one group is a group of goths, the other is a cult. But is it too similar to have just that, that token woman in a group of a group of men? It, it's definitely a token woman and not like more than one woman, right? But also, I'm just thirsty for any integration is, is this how much AEW has has destroyed me with their women's division and their failures of their women's division? Is this is this what has happened? I am I am watching WWE and actively thinking, wow, they're doing really decent work integrating their women into larger storylines. What is what is going on? Where am I? Who am I? Well, we used to cover ROH too, and men and women never even appeared on screen together in that company. <laughs> Yeah, they might as well not have been the same building. Our next little segment is in the women's locker room. We get just some yelling back and forth between Indy Hartwell and Zoe Stark. I haven't been watching, so I don't really know what the backstory is between these groups. I don't know who's the... It seems like Zoe Stark is a baby face on the brink of turning heel. That was my takeaway from her involvement on the whole show. Yeah, I um I don't know if Indy is supposed to be a heel here. I don't know. There wasn't any clear direction either way. I I don't I get the sense that Zoe is very conflicted about how she conducts herself in these matches, and um, Nikita is trying to keep her on the not even necessarily straight and narrow, but like keep her focused. Um, but yeah, the segment was very much a new classic of like I'm not. Loser, you're a loser. Oh, well, let's prove it in the ring. Then we go to Chase University. Um, Chase U, uh, what context? I'm going to say that they are NXT's version of Dark Order. Uh, okay. Not the same aesthetic, but the same, like, you know, they're around. They get a lot of screen time. They're uh, They're not taken that seriously that often. Like, a lot of times, it's they're more like 
their their segments are played for jokes and laughs and um you know you'll just tune in to tv one week and one of the members will be gone and then they'll just awkwardly be like hey whatever happened to blah 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 and they won't acknowledge the fact that he was fired but they'll like hint at it and that's what happened here we have thea hale and she's like something doesn't feel right and it's because the the usual guy who stood next to her got fired the day before also he was not good at handling that flag right away uh his his flag work ringside whoo he got he got the hang of it once it really counted and they were like on camera and like the, the flag was dead center but man when he was trying to wave that when they were running around ringside it was bad dude had bad bad flag control okay well he's only been at chase U for like a week or two so he's still learning and also and also up until like last week he was a heel poker player so it's a learning curve from poker player to flag waver i guess so when you commit like petty crimes they send you to chase you yeah i guess maybe he lost all his money playing poker and so they're just like well maybe why don't you go back to school and get a real job can i tell you though so i've been i've been watching as much of the latest season of wow as i can track down and this was the most wow match in all of the wrestling we watched this week this was this this felt super wow to me because it was like two very broad characters very like um, you know as much about their aesthetic gimmick as about anything in their ring and um that's not to say that it's a bad thing but like this like when i watched this match i was like oh my god this is wow this is this is this is definitely women of wrestling right now oh yeah kiana james especially her thing it's not it's just like generic i'm a businesswoman but also i fight according to the bottom of the screen when she came out she had i had to look these up because i had to look these up kiana james has a business management degree a bachelor of business administration she's a certified management accountant she has a master of global business administration she's a certified cost professional and she's a certified professional in talent development now i also looked up how long it takes to get each one of those degrees and certifications you're looking at probably 12 to 16 years and she's only 24 so that's damn impressive you know uh and and if this was wow she would also have a tragic backstory to go with it so uh yeah it, it it's it's a it's a lot clearly she is a, a driven driven woman um but let's talk for a second about just like thea hale is so cute how cute is she she's the cutest i don't even remember her gimmick what she was like a cheerleader i don't know she's cute she's a so she's the freshman in university <laughs> that's her thing that, just an optimistic that freshman face, that face oh she is just unbelievably unbelievably adorable there's just some wrestlers where you're just like you're too, you're too cute for words she was a key tonight on the indies and i got to see her well because she's like from this region and i only got to see her live once before she got signed it is such a tragedy here's a bud now as i said the newest member of chase university is duke hudson he was or i guess is still a heel because he tried to cheat here he tried to put thea's foot on the ropes Professor Chase said, no, 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 ejected him. And then Kiana James picks up the win. I will say this. So this we had two matches on Raw. This is our first match on NXT. All three matches 
ended as a result of shenanigans at ringside. True. And I know you're not like always a fan of that, especially when it gets repeated. Yeah, I'm like, here or there, sure, I get it. It's pro wrestling. When it happens every single match, then I start to roll my eyes. I don't really get why it was necessary here either. Like, I get in the other two matches on, on Raw that we watched, I get why those might have been necessary to protect people, but I don't really see why that was necessary here. Yeah, I mean, Thea's established enhancement talent. She's won, like, two matches this year. So... She doesn't need protection to lose, but I guess the idea was they just wanted to they wanted to further this story of new pupil Duke Hudson not following this the school's code of conduct. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. Maybe just the bad luck bad luck, bad timing. Later on backstage we've got uh, Cowboy take team Brooks and Jensen. They're hanging out with their gal pal, Fallon Henley. And Fallon is delivered a paper from Kiana James's personal assistant. We don't know what's on the paper, but Fallon reads it. And presumably this is setting up, I don't know, I guess Kiana and Fallon in a match in the future. Maybe Kiana's suing her or something. Hmm. It's meant to be mysterious, oh, yeah. I guess. Yeah. That's kind of, kind of odd, yeah. Then we go to mandy rose's year-long championship celebration now the women didn't open nxt this week or main event it but they did get the top of the hour slot so halfway through the show if you're flipping over to the channel at nine o'clock you've seen toxic attraction they got the ring they've got their couch they've got a couple of men holding glasses of champagne i think yeah, they just got a little, they got framed photos of Mandy throughout her WWE career, which has been about six years, NXT main roster, back and forth. And yeah, we're celebrating the fact that Mandy Rose has been NXT Women's Champion for a full calendar year. She does a little promo, she talks a little bit. She is cited by the other members of Toxic Attraction, JC Jane, and the woman you once knew as Priscilla Kelly. Yes, G.G. Dolan. Yes, Which is, get it? Like, no, I know, I know, I do, but oh god, I'm sorry. It's such a bad name. It's the it's the <laughs> it's the other half of Darby Allen, right? You mash them together. <laughs> you take the G.G. You give it to her. You take the Allen. You give it to him. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, it must suck now that they're like very divorced. That uh, her. Her WWE name is like so tied to her ex. Um, but okay, so all kidding aside, I I love this. I think this is cool. I I've heard good things about what they've been doing with Mandy Rose on NXT, and this whole like segment. I think it's your Russell, obviously, but like I enjoyed getting to see her like evolution. Like this is actually kind of great for me because I haven't been watching NXT. I haven't been like privy to Mandy Rose's journey in the last several years. So this was kind of a great like catch up for me of like, okay. And they're acknowledging the way that she was always like used in the main roster of WWE. They're acknowledging the fact that she was kind of just undermined as like a pinup and a, and a sexy woman and not as a wrestler. They're, they're using that and they're, they're playing well to it. I don't know. This is, this is cool. This was like, I, 
I appreciated having this segment and also it gave like a nice, it probably went on a little long, but like it, it was finished off well by that, like by, uh, Alba Fires, also a name that I'm not a fan of, um, Alba Fires, uh, interference and her like run in on this whole thing worked really well to set up like the next stage of Mandy Rose's, like, you know, whatever storyline that they've got going on with her and Alba. I don't know. I guess I don't mind a good like heel gloat. I like the respect on my name thing. I like that she kept talking even when the smoke was going. Like there was something very like I don't know. There's something endearing about this segment to me. And I again, I think I just brainwashed by the I'm like weird reverse brainwashed by the fact that AEW doesn't do anything like this. This segment on AEW would be a Chris Jericho segment. This segment on AEW would be like Chris Jericho celebrates his ROH channel win with the Jericho Appreciation Society. This would when do they ever do this with their women? Even if they do it with Britt Baker, like it's it's a quarter of the length with no storyline continuation. Or if they do it with Jade, it's the same deal. Like they don't give time and attention and focus to somebody's like career longevity or like to their evolution. So yeah, I I probably would like this less if I hadn't somehow stumbled into watching a weekly promotion that does like so poorly with their women. For me, the, her whole promo sounded like a Stephanie McMahon promo to me. Like, it sounded like Stephanie McMahon could have written this herself. I don't I don't like that. She, she, uh, she dropped the token B word of the month. Every month, one woman in one company gets to call somebody a bitch. Um, this time it was Mandy. I didn't like that. And then all the talk of, I'm the greatest NXT women's champion, I'm the greatest da-da-da champion, that would seem to be leading somewhere. That would seem to be setting her up against either Shayna Baszler, who has the record of most days as NXT champion, or Asuka, who had a 522-day reign as NXT champion. Mandy's only at 365. She's not going to pass Asuka's reign until April. So it seems like you can't, how do you, how do you come out and call yourself the greatest champion without addressing the fact that there's two women who've like held the title for longer than you and who had like more memorable reigns than you and defended against higher caliber of opponents than you. I guess that's the heel aspect of it. I don't know. And then all the fire is the one to interrupt. And this feels, that felt like a little like, eh, because they just faced each other twice like a week earlier at Halloween Havoc and Mandy beat her. So it's like, well, why? She just beat her. Why are we doing this again? Why aren't we getting Mako Satamura or Roxanne Perez or somebody somebody different? And then Alba does the thing I just complained about with Rhea where she comes in and she attacks the champagne men. It's like, what do they do? They're just, they were just hired to stand there and hold... These trays of champagne, they don't deserve to get beat up for that. What, what, what's your problem? Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't speak to a lot of, like, good working class solidarity on all those point of view. But also, like, I am all about her just, like, kind of weighing, laying waste to the entire, like, celebration. And I liked her little ending button of, like, like tonight I took out Gigi Dolan, like, next week I took out... Casey Jane, and then I'm like, I think you out, and like, I, I don't know, I, I, it worked for me, I don't know. Our next match is Indy Hartwell taking on former take team champion Zoe Stark, I believe 
her and Nikita Lyons were Tate champions. Um, fun fact, Nikita Lyons has the best singles record of anyone in NXT. She's 8-0, undefeated in singles matches in NXT, but they all of a sudden then just put her in a Tate team with Zoe Stark and stopped talking about it. And they don't bring it up. And now you're not meant to, to think about that or ask, like, why isn't she going after Mandy Rose? Instead, they're teaming together. They've got to take rematch coming up soon. It definitely looks like Zoe is turning heel. My, you know, we'll, we'll get to my prediction later on. We get to that other segment with them. But it seems like Zoe's turning heel if for, I mean, she wanted to powerbomb Indy through the announce table before Nikita stopped her. And then she lost. And that's sort of classic babyface turning heel motivation, right? Yeah. I, I I actually don't have much to say about this match other than um, I'm kind of compelled by Zoe Starks and, like, the storyline that they seem to be going with with her, like, not being able to find her groove and keep her, her focus and calm in the face of losing those tag belts. It's interesting to see what will happen if they get a rematch with, you know, the current belt holders. But, like, I don't know. There were some interesting character beats here that the match itself was nothing nothing incredible, but I I do like that there is a like a strong tag team storyline, a tag team based storyline between Zoe and Nikita and like um I like any storyline that examines what it's like to lose a wrestling title. Like so many times in wrestling the the post title thing is like disappearing or or coming back and, and, you know, being like, I got to get my title back and I want a rematch, et cetera. But like when storylines play with the idea of like getting into your head and messing with you, I, I appreciate that because I feel like that is very true to life of like what happens when you're number one and you're not number one anymore. Like it's going to get in your brain in a real way. It's going to shake your confidence. It's going to shake your focus. It's going to shake the way that you do things. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I like this fine. If I were going to watch NXT every week, I'd be interested to see where this went. As for Indy, it's not really clear at all where things are going with her. She was she was involved in two big stories at the start of this year, I think. She got kayfabe married to Dexter Loomis, and then he got fired by Vince. Uh, now he's back, but he's on the main roster, and she's still on NXT. And she was part of the family, the stable, where she was sort of like almost like adopted daughter of Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae along with Austin Theory they were like they treated Johnny and Candice like they were like mom and dad sort of thing the four of them were in a stable together but then Johnny and Candice took time off their baby now they're back and they're on the main roster as well and Austin Theory's on the main roster as well and she's still in NXT she hasn't really done much since all of that fell apart but now the commentary keeps talking about her her streak. She's on such a winning streak. It's the best winning streak she's been on in her whole career. And it's just really not clear where that's going. It's like, okay, so are they are they positioning her as the next person to take on the winner of Mandy Alba? Like, there's an NXT special event on December 10th called Deadline. So is that what we're setting up with this indie story? Is she going to challenge... You know, is Alba Fire going to win the title and defend against Indy at that show? Or is Mandy going to somehow get past Alba again and be Mandy and Indy at deadline? I'm very intriguing. 
was any of this enough for you to be like interested in, in restarting NXT? No, because I don't really, I don't like any of these characters or wrestlers. That's the biggest, the number one biggest thing for me is, I'm like, uh, I'm like Zoe Stark, she's okay, I guess. I don't like Nikita Lyons. Indy Harwell's okay, you know. JC Jane, I don't care for. Mandy Rose, I don't care for. Gigi's okay. Fallon Henley's okay. I have no feelings on Thea Hale or Kiana James or Ava Rain. You know, there's nobody on the... Okay, there. yeah, there, she was on the show. Our fave, Roxanne Perez. Her, I'm invested in, sure. There are a bunch of women in NXT UK that I was invested in. They all got released. Aoife Valkyrie, Isla Dawn, Ginny, I think, is still under contract, but she hasn't... She's never appeared on NXT America. If she showed up and did, like... I need, like, two or three people, I think, maybe, to get me back in. Put the belt on Roxanne, bring over someone like Jenny, sign someone like a high-end, and maybe they'll get me back. But right now, like, I'm not tuning in, you know, to see what comes next for Valentina Furos. <laughs> Fair. And um, what came most recently for Valentina it was uh, just nothing? Just getting squashed by Core Jade? Yeah, so, okay, um, as far as I can tell, based on my memory and not actually watching the show, Valentina's in a take team with a woman named Ulyssa Leone. She wasn't mentioned at all this week, so I don't know where Ulyssa is or if she's injured, what's going on there. She, they were friends with Senga, and then Senga's old take partner, Veer, started showing up again a couple weeks ago. And he started whispering in Senga's ear, and now Sanga, like doesn't want to hang out with his friends anymore and Veer's trying to like convince him to like do bad things that seems to be the idea I don't and they might be brothers or they're just old friends I don't I'm not too clear with that but it seems to be another one of these things where like Veer's a bit which really we just kind of had three segments in a row of that eh where like can babyface and heel people coexist we had that with Chase U we had that with like Nikita and Zoe and now we've got that with Veer and Sangha. Yeah, I mean, it, it gets repetitive. I, I think that they... I think my biggest critique would be I felt like by the time I watched SmackDown, by the time I watched the women's stuff on SmackDown and whatever else I caught on the periphery, it did feel kind of like I was watching the same three shows or the same show three times. Like, people changed, but the stories were the same, essentially. The the ones that stuck out to me the most were the stuff that happened on um, on Raw because I felt like those, those featured kind of the strongest factions, the strongest faction stories, um, along with like the biggest stars. But yeah, I don't I don't know. This, this match didn't do much for me at all, but it was really exciting and fun to see Wendy, um, who I love, and I was intrigued about her current incarnation ever since we talked to Tom about what they've been doing with her. So. Her making an appearance here, swinging kendo stick, made me very, very happy. Yes, and they kept the outside the ring shenanigans until after the match. So to this point on the Raw and NXT women's matches, Core Jade is the only one to win a match without a bunch of stuff happening at ringside. 
And uh, Valentina really doesn't lose anything by it. I had to check my stats, but Valentina has the third worst women's record in the history of NXT. She's 0-7 in NXT matches. She's never won a singles match. She's lost seven. Only two women in the history of NXT are worse. Amari Miller went 0-8, and Valentina could easily tie that in the near future. And then the worst NXT women's record in history, of course, Gianna Frazzo, 0-10. Oh. She was terrible before she oh, signed with wow. Impact. She just wasn't a good wrestler. Then she signed with Impact, finally got her stuff together. I, what a, what a, what a, like, oh my god. How do you, you fuck that up that much? How does WWE fuck that up that much? You can't blame Vince for that. That wasn't a that wasn't a 2.0 move right there. That was ah. The only other thing on NXT was um, we did have Zoe Stark and Nikita Lyons backstage talking about their loss. The Take Champs Carter and Chance confronted them, said we're gonna have a rematch for the Take Titles next week. Now it seemed throughout this episode that Zoe wants to turn heel, and Nikita says no. No powerbomb people through tables. No being bad. My prediction is that's a ruse. Next week on TV, Nikita will also turn heel and they'll steal the titles. Alright, Friday Night Smackdown, November 4th. Smackdown. The B Show, but still, been around for 20 years, I think. You know? arguably the top show for some people. That's the show that Roman Reigns is on every week. That's the show Bray Wyatt is on. Opening match. A women's match. Raw and SmackDown, same week. Opening with women. Opening with a women's match. Raw closing with a women's match in the same week. It's going to be it's gonna be 20 years before we can even imagine a week where Dynamite opens with women, closes with women, and then Rampage opens with a women's match as well. I mean, it'll never, as far as I'm concerned, it'll never happen. I don't know that, you know, in 20 years we're going to have AEW. Maybe not. So I don't think it'll ever happen. But yes, 20 years sounds about right. It was Liv Morgan versus Sonya Deville in a no disqualification match. This one didn't have any sort of video package recapping their history beforehand, which I was actually like, oh, I could have used one here because I don't know what their history is at all. I looked it up a little bit. Um, it's it's still not a very long feud. I think it's been a couple of weeks. Um, that's all I really could find. I didn't find much in like what what it was about. Yeah, Liv was champ temporarily, and then I think lost the belt to Rousey. And Sonya was like general manager for a year or two. Like wasn't didn't wrestle at all for a couple of years there after going through like real personal. Um, personal things in her home life when we watched when we covered the women's royal rumble she was still in that general manager role and i forget who she was having a feud with it was someone specific but i can't remember who it was maybe naomi i can't okay so this was this match with Liv morgan Liv morgan no dismissing of Liv morgan i i don't want to speak badly of any talent here i never remember Liv morgan like 
her, Alexa, and Mandy, you could have put them in a lineup for me, and I might not, I might have been able to identify who Alexa was, but I thought she looked really good here, and I thought this was a, like, a fun way for, like, it was fun for me to get reintroduced to her in a no-DQ match. Yeah, choose somebody who's just dropping in, like uh, us. It's not totally clear what her character is, like, she's, she wears a lot of black, she's... Uh, you know, she she doesn't look all that different from Cora Jade or Alexa Bliss in that respect. They all look, they all look kind of mall goth, mall punk. But I do know Morgan's been like perpetual mid Carter for a long time. She was in the Riot Squad with Ruby Soho and Sarah Logan as just kind of like a the, as a one of the three in that group for a long time. I always think of Liv as basically being the WWE equivalent of an Anna Jay or a Julia Hart. The difference here being that we see what happens when WWE gave her a chance to find her own voice by herself, to wrestle more than on TV more than once every four to five months, and to go out and like find a fan base because I didn't really know anything about the backstory of this match. I don't have strong feelings about Liv Morgan one way or another. But the fans were clearly vocally behind her. And I think, I'm just guessing, that she's the reason this was the opening match on the show, more so than Sonya. Otherwise, um, you know, it's a, it's a WWE television no-DQ match. You know what to expect, right? There's still chairs, there's a kendo stick, there's uh, yeah, there's a table. We had the spot. That was a that was a fun spot. I saw a lot of people on Twitter who really liked that spot where Sonya's trying to give Morgan a German suplex off the apron through the table. Liv's hanging on, and then she's like, "Wait a minute, why am I hanging on? Like, if I let go, I'm going to be falling on top of her onto the table. It's going to hurt her a lot more." And then just goes with it. That is my favorite type of spot in a match like this, where it's like equal parts like common sense and like. Just a general understanding of like of personal physics of like okay this is convenient and it's the best option in a bad set of options so I'm gonna take it that to me so I love those moments in a no DQ match because like that's the most that's the time when it most resembles a fight like as much as someone going through a table can resemble a fight but like there's no like it it has a sense of rationale to it that I appreciate yeah I like that spot a lot I like this match I. I thought for a SmackDown, you know, a, a network televised uh, TV no DQ match, this was pretty pretty good, if you know, very bloodless. I want to say it was the only one of the matches we watched this week that got a This Is Awesome chant. That's true. I think so. I think you're right. In the end, Sonya powerbombs Liv onto a pile of chairs, but she kicks out, and Liv hits... Uh, what she calls Oblivion, it's Shelton Benjamin's old pay dirt, onto the chairs for the win. Liv picks up the win, clean. No distractions, nobody at ringside running around, causing interference, causing nonsense. I appreciate that. This is probably my favorite match of all the ones we watched. I I would say this is a top contender for me. I, like the, I liked both the matches on Raw a lot. Um, but this one definitely, I think, was probably my favorite as well. We follow this up with a backstage interview with Emma. Tennille Dashwood is back 
signed with WWE. She left Impact a couple of, a couple of months ago, maybe? Not that long ago, she left Impact. And I don't think any of us would have predicted at the time that she would be going back to WWE. I don't know what I thought she was going to do. I thought Maybe I thought that she was going to go the route of her friends in the Iconics and like retire or step away and do some other stuff. But she's back in WWE. She says in this interview that it's been five years since she left the WWE. And before she can really say much else, Xia Li shows up. And Xia Li gets in her face. Again, doesn't really say much either. And that's okay, because Emma knows where this is going and just punches her out before Zai can really mouth off to her too much. So we got ourselves a little feud here. Yeah, I hope all good things for for Emma. I just, I just want her to find a... I want this beautiful pup to find a forever home. Um, I think I still just think back to her, uh, her fated turn in ROH. And I think they were able to do some fun things with her in in Impact, and it seemed like she was having a, a decent time there. Um, but yeah, it, I I just hope that she gets a good push here, and that they get to do a lot with her, and that she stays healthy. Um, yeah, it was nice to see her, and um, and uh, yeah, I was surprised. I thought for sure like, oh, she's just gonna work some indie dates, maybe like you know semi-retire. But no, turns out. They, they just could not resist that that lure of Camille Dashwood slash Emma, I guess. Yeah, her boyfriend is on the SmackDown roster, so that might have been one of the, not the factors in her signing, but that's like a nice bonus, if anything. And I guess the one nice thing about her signing with WWE especially is she's been very, very public about she has psoriasis, and that makes things difficult. There are long periods of time where she has to take time out of the ring and she can't compete because she just has so much going on and she's in so much pain and stuff. So having like a big company like this probably makes that a lot easier to manage and maintain than if you're trying to take indie bookings or stuff like that. And she's been wrestling since 2000. She's been wrestling like in the Australian Indies in like the early 2000s, like 2005 or something like that. So the other nice thing here, and this was especially prompted by seeing that she's going to be feuding with Xia Li now, is like yes, perfect. She's like a she's like another veteran talent to have. We got Natalia, great, but now we got somebody else as well who's been doing this 15 years and who can work with people like Xia Li, who can wrestle people like Liv Morgan and really elevate these other younger women by t- by like going with them in the ring and really like just making them step up their game. Our other women's match segment on SmackDown this week was Natalia versus Shayna Baszler, the only woman to rank every year on the PWI women's list, taking on the Queen of Spades, Shayna Baszler. I talked earlier about how Triple H is just rebooting all his favorite wrestlers back to the way they were in NXT, and that was basically the whole point of this match. The commentary team basically just, like, they tried not to break kayfabe while doing it, but the whole basis of the match was basically just commentary saying, like, wow, Shayna Baszler is back to just being, like, the unstoppable killing machine that she was in NXT instead of being, like, the joke that she was for the last couple of years. And they're trying to explain to kayfabe, like, yeah, like, what changed? Why wasn't, why wasn't she as successful on the main roster as she was in NXT? And it's like, 
well, the answer was Vince. He like didn't, looked at her and didn't understand. And Triple H is like, I understand. Let's get you back on track. Let's have you squash Natalia in like four minutes. Make her tap out to the cure food or clutch. And, you know, get things back to where they should have been. Yeah, and as we talked about last week with, with Kristen, like, Natalia continues to be the the woman that they they utilize to put other women over and never diminishes, honestly, but just just is always there to be that competent like gateway back to the main event, back to you know the momentum push. Natalia's really good in that role. She just knows her stuff. She can make anyone look even better than they look. And I I thought this was I thought this was a decent match. Like, it wasn't my favorite that I watched this week, but it was nice to see Shayna Baszler. And um, it just reminded me, like, Natalia deserves every bit of the accolades that she receives because she does the the Yalman's work of just getting the job done well. For years, when Baszler was in NXT, we thought we were going to get, finally, the famous eight-woman, four-horsewomen versus four-horsewomen match. Charlotte, Becky, Sasha, and Bailey against Ronda, Shayna, Jessamyn Duke, and Marina Shafir. It almost feels like we're there now, except we don't know where Sasha stands. And now Marina Shafir is in AEW, so it's probably not going to happen now either. But where does this go then? Because, okay, so we established that Baszler is this like unstoppable killing machine that she's just like destroying people in Italian four minutes. But her partner is the champ. Rousey's got the gold. So where, you know, where does Baszler go from here? Who else does she continue to mow down until we reach that situation? Do we drag this out for four months or something? and then do Baszler versus Rousey at WrestleMania. This was like entering a foreign land. This was like, this weirdly was so familiar and yet so exotic for me. And I think because I have had diminished returns with the one major promotion, the one mainstream promotion that I do watch, um, as a result, like I was wowed by things I didn't expect to be wowed by, but I still don't have a feel for like, I, I know that there's obvious things that they're going to do here. There's obvious pushes that they're going to make. They're going to like, you know, Rousey's going to end up on top with like one of the horsewomen. Like it's all going to come back to the same people that they always push. I just, I don't know how they do that while ignoring the sizable talent and the, the momentum that other women can have. Well, that was the three shows that we watched from WWE this week. Saturday, they also had a premium live event from Saudi Arabia called Crown Jewel. We didn't watch that. But um, but very quickly, the women's results from that show, because they were a continuation of what we saw on the previous three shows, Dakota Kai and EO Sky recaptured the Tay Team titles. Oh, okay then. Five days after they dropped them, Nikki Cross came out and attacked Alexa Bliss behind the referee's back. Dakota pinned Alexa... Damage Controller take champs again, and it looks like Nikki Cross has been swayed over to Damage Control's side. Wow, so my prediction was completely false. 
was completely wrong. See, I don't know what WWE, I, I should have figured they would take that route. I just was excited by the idea that they wouldn't necessarily align her with anybody. Well, so then the question now is, okay, so that seems like a War Games Survivor Series team. We've got Bailey, Dakota, Io, and Nikki. So who joins the other side? Who joins Asuka, Bianca, Alexa? The big names who are missing would seemingly be Becky Lynch, maybe? Where's Candace? The other women missing from Raw, or at least who weren't on Raw this week, are Candice LeRae, Dewdrop, Carmella, Dana Brooke, and Tamina. Little offense meant to those women, but yeah, it definitely seems like a Becky or Candace are the only ones who really, really make sense in this scenario. Candace, because she was in multiple War Games matches in NXT, so she'd be a very fine fit for this as well. And also in one of the first War Games matches, Dakota turned heel on Candace. So maybe, maybe it is Candace here. Maybe that makes the most sense be my instinct but then again my instincts tend to be wrong with WWE but she would be my instinct other crown jewel developments the judgment day defeated the OC in trios action because Rhea Ripley was at ringside and she got involved she beat up some men she's just so good at it on commentary Michael Cole said somebody's got to kick her ass so we are we're we're building to like who is AJ Styles going to get to join his group to kick her ass and nobody, there's nobody logical jumps to mind because there were no women at Bullet Club. Um, I mean, just Yujiro's uh, uh, ballet Peter, and she doesn't wrestle. Yeah, and not Amber Gallows because I think her and her and Doc aren't uh, speaking terms anymore. And then also at Crown Jewel, Bianca Belair defeated Bailey in a last woman standing match to retain the Raw Women's Championship. Shockingly, nobody got involved. No Nikki Cross, no Dakota, no Io. It was just the two of them. They had a match with a bunch of weapons, with a golf cart, some chairs, and a bunch of other things. Bianca won clean. Bianca's still the champ. I don't know where Bailey goes from here. I have heard really good things about this match, though, and I will try and make a point of watching it sometime this week because, um, you know, Bailey just... I, I know, no, just the thing, Bianca here, but, you know, Bailey always does really good work with other women, with putting other women over, so I'm interested to watch this match. That's our show. As I said, Survivor Series, November 26th, Women's War Games. NXT deadline is December 10th. Can't say we'll be covering either of those shows on this podcast, but who knows? We didn't think we'd be covering these shows either. We did it. I will start my own Grit and Glitter spinoff just covering all of WWE because I'm clearly such a fan now. In the meantime, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, or Patreon at Grit Glitter Pod. And if you support us on Patreon, you get bonus podcasts, you get a weekly newsletter, you get the Grid and Glitter archive, every episode of Talking Honor and Elite Repeat, and every Saturday, a new classic episode of Grid and Glitter. The first five episodes of Grid and Glitter ever are available right now, and episode six will be up this Saturday. If you have not yet subscribed to our Grid and Glitter Patreon, please consider doing so. 
by donating, whether it is $5 or $10 or whatever a month, you are helping us not only uh, offset the cost of recording and producing this show, but also we put that money directly back into the wrestling ecosystem. So your favorite indies, whether it be Enjoy Wrestling or Wrestlers Lab or a host of other wrestling companies and wrestlers who do great things that you enjoy watching, we like to help them by giving them your money. So you give us your money, we give it to them. It's very simple. And then in exchange, you get cool bonus podcasts and other stuff like that. And, you know, who knows? And if you join and you say, hey, as a perk, I would like this and this and this, maybe we can do that for you. Who knows? You might have a great idea that we will utilize. Our Patreons are our friends and supporters, but they're also great friends and supporters of independent wrestling. So help us keep the good stuff going and join our Patreon at patreon.com. Great Glitter Pod. Next week on the show, we'll be talking about Pro Wrestling Eve, Wrestle Queendom 5, Jetta versus Alex Windsor for the Eve title, The Uprising defending the take titles against Session Moth Martina and Hyper Masao, Charlie Morgan, Emerson Jane, Millie McKenzie, Nina Samuels, a whole lot more next week here on Grid and Glitter. <laughs>